to it. And uh, our subject is going to be deliverance by affliction. Uh, don't get happy and shout now. What, amen. Can you say that, that, that subject back at me? What is it? It is deliverance by affliction. And uh, our subtopic uh, or, or, or title is How Our Trials Can Awaken Us to God. Amen. How Our Trials Can Awaken Us to God. And uh, I believe that amen, some questions are going to be answered for some people today. You know, no one wants to suffer. Amen. Uh, now, we may welcome our, our Realize that small trials are going to come, and the Bible says count them uh, joy because of what they will do. But no one invites life-altering pain. No one wants to lie awake, amen, at night with a pit seemingly in your stomach, agonizing over where uh, this disastrous situation is headed. No one wants to experience a loss so deep that they wonder how they can even go on. And while we understand that they say in life, rain falls on everyone, no one wants a deluge. We don't pray for it. We don't seek it. We don't welcome it. And all that we can think about when we're in the midst of it is, Lord, give me relief. That's what we cry out to God for. We want reprieve. We want rescue. We want deliverance. But in the book of Job, there is a surprising truth that sometimes deliverance comes through affliction. And those of you that have your Bibles, and we're going to put it on the screen. Amen. Job 36 and 15. And uh, we're reading from the English Standard Version uh, in, of the text that we're looking at there in Job 36 and 15. And you'll notice what the scripture says. He delivers the afflicted by their afflictions and opens their ears by adversity. I want you to read that. Let's let that resonate a little bit. Amen. Read that again with me. Let's go. He delivers the afflicted by their afflictions and opens their ears by mercy. Now, for most of us, when we look at the book of Job, uh, we look at the front, the, the prologue, where it talks about what happened. Uh, the conversation in heaven. And uh, then there's uh, a lot in the middle that a lot of us haven't taken the time to study or uh, a little hard reading. And then we like to go to the end. And most preachers, that's what they do. They preach about the prologue and they preach about uh, the epilogue at the end where uh, Job uh, got more sons and daughters and, 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 and what have you. But uh, we are looking at a verse of scripture. And I want you to remember it's a verse of scripture. And this is uh, a 
He's speaking, and if you read above it, you'll see he said, I'm, 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 speaking for, I'm speaking on behalf of another. What I'm getting ready to share with you is outside of myself. I don't just believe this is human wisdom. This is, this is too deep. This is, this is not human wisdom that, or human opinion that I'm getting ready to share with you. And so, uh, in the course of sharing, he says that he delivers the afflicted by their affliction and opens their ears by diversity. Now, this statement seems to make no sense when you look at it at first. How can affliction deliver the afflicted? We want to be delivered from affliction. To have whatever is troubling us removed. And we pray and work to that end. And so if we want uh, rescue and relief from affliction, how can we possibly find it by affliction? You know, that almost seems perverted. It makes me think about some and, and uh, uh, that uh, have some emotional issues and are dealing with some emotional pains and they resort to cutting themselves. Any of you ever met somebody that had cuts on them where they literally would take a razor blade or a knife or something and would uh, uh, inflict wounds on themselves uh, and, and, and it, becomes a, it, it became a habit and, and uh, I, I really can't explain it. You know, I, I haven't looked into the psychology of it. But the verse that I'm reading saying he delivered the afflicted by their afflictions and opens their ears by adversity. It almost seems perverted, doesn't it? Since affliction is unpleasant at best and crushing at worst, what we are being delivered from must be a greater evil. I want to say that again. Let me put that up because I, I, I want you to think about this. Because one thing that I know is that God has our best interests at heart. He who comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a reward to them that diligently seek him. So, in order to be delivered by affliction, what we are being delivered from must be worse than the affliction itself. Because if God uses affliction to deliver, then what he's delivering you from has to be worse than the affliction that he puts on you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Since affliction is unpleasant at best and crushing at worst, what we are being delivered from must be a greater evil. Or to say it another way, the affliction must be producing something that is far more precious than immediate relief. So, what does affliction deliver us from? And what is more precious 
from our new plan.
behind us will 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 will, will be so sharp that that even if it's not in front, see some of us we want it right in front, we want it in you know we want it uh, spelled out in black letters or whatever. Amen. We want three signs and a prophecy and so forth, but affliction. God said, all I got to do is speak a word behind you and you'll hear me. Yeah. This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right, when you turn uh, to the left. Uh, listening to God. Recognizing his voice. Heeding it above the competing voices around us will radically transform our lives. It will give us supernatural wisdom, clear direction, and it will ultimately reshape who we are. Affliction draws us to the things of God because we realize that the things of this world are broken. trouble. It draws us to the things of God because we recognize that the things of this world are broken. It's not working. I tried this and I did the best I could and it's not working. And, 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 and I, I tried this over here and 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 and, I, and and did the best, and it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. God, it's not working. What, what does the song say? When you try everything, and everything has failed, try Jesus. Why 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 do we try everything else? And find out that it won't work. And then the last stop is, well, I guess I, I guess I will try God. Affliction draws us to the things of God. Because we realize the things of this world are broken. Uh, Psalms 119 and 67. Notice what the psalm says there. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep the word. That's a lot of people's testimony. If God, you remember I said affliction, God uses affliction to deliver us from something that's far worse. A lot of people, if things are going smooth, Things are going well. No bumps in the road. No, no, no challenges. And 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 and, and uh, you know that's what we like. We, we 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 like for things to work. We like. And I, I don't know about you, but I get I get frustrated when stuff don't work. Anybody else like that? You know, I I I realize I know a little something about mechanics. I know a little something about a lot of other things. But but I like it when stuff works. Like it's supposed to work. But that's not the way life is. And I think 
God knows better than to give us what we like. God is not obligated to give us what we like. God gives us what we need. Before I was afflicted, I did my own thing. I went astray. But now, I might have a limp. I might have an ache, I might have a pain, I might have, amen, uh, uh, a hinder, but I keep your word. Hallelujah, I keep your word. Amen. It was good. What, 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 uh, Psalms 119 and 71, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Hallelujah. Pain spurs us to search for meaning and hope beyond the present circumstances, which can open up our eyes to the power and beauty of the Word. This Word can reframe our world, bringing light to our eyes and opening our ears and feeding our soul. God's Word and His uh, uh, and His presence becomes precious and sweeter in our suffering as we taste and see for ourselves His goodness and His grace. I was reading the testimony of a particular author, uh, and she was commenting on uh, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn the statutes. And she testified about a time in her life when her first husband left her. And she said she was devastated. He left her for another woman. She said she was devastated. She was crushed. It seemed like her world was coming to an end. And she said, but when she looked back on those times, uh, she really never had been into uh, uh, delve deeply into the Word of God. She she was a Christian, but she was uh, a nominal Christian. You know, uh, didn't really get into her, her, her the, the Word, didn't get into the Bible, didn't really get into prayer. She was a she was a church attendant, and and when her first husband left her in a lurch like that, and she didn't know what to do, she went into a turmoil, into a panic. How am I going to make it? How am I, how am I going to take care of me and the kids that he left? And she said, if that was the time that she began to dig into the Word of God, that was the time that she began to seek the face of God for herself. And that was the time that she found a strength that she didn't know she had. Yeah. And that God began to open doors that she didn't realize uh, were going to be open for her and brought her out all right. Yeah. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn the statutes. Amen. We talked about uh, deliverance from indifference. Uh -huh. 
years and they say, well, they won't be able to take it. But I, I don't know. I got more confidence in people than, than, than that. Amen. And so what I see here, Paul said, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's Paul. And Paul said it got so bad that we, 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 we felt like giving up. We felt like it would be better if we were dead. And some of us have been there. Maybe not the same thing, but the thing that we were going through made us despair of life. Yes. To where we felt like it'd be better if I leave here. Hallelujah. God, why you let this happen to me? And in verse 9, he said, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Anybody got a report from the doctor? And you listened to what the doctor was saying, and in your mind, there was a voice screaming, saying, You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. I remember when. Uh, I was first diagnosed. Uh, I, I had to take a uh, uh, annual physical on the job I was working. And in the physical, they said my blood sugars were elevated. And in fact, they shut me down. I was, I was driving for uh, a state uh, then. And uh, they shut me down and said, you can't drive. You're going to have to go to the doctor. you got to get evaluated and so forth and so on. And I went to the doctor, and uh, they did the test and all of that. And he came back with the diagnosis of uh, state of type two diabetes. And I remember uh, leaving the doctor's office, and he said, "You know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to control the diet first, and uh, if that doesn't work, then we'll move you to some other things, and uh, and, and and what have you." I remember leaving the doctor's office, and as I was driving uh, over in uh, St. Louis, and there was, and, and, and because of my experience with my family, uh, my dad had it, my sister Ramona had it, and the complications from it, and and and, uh, uh, and so I was experienced. I, I I saw what it could do. I saw. Uh, 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 how serious it could be. And, and, and as I was driving away from uh, the doctor's office, all I could, all, the voice screaming in my head is, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. And as I was driving, I looked at the bus stop. They had a bus stop on uh, Forest Park Boulevard over in St. Louis, close by the hospitals over there. There was a bus stop, and the sign on the bus stop reinforced the message that was already going in my head. You're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. 
doesn't even have to be a health situation. Sometimes it could be a, 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 a relational uh, situation, a family situation. But, but trouble comes in many faces. And it's so easy to get frustrated and want to give up. And the first thing the devil will whisper to you, you're going to die. It's a death sentence. But oh, I love the word of God. God's word will bring you out. God's word will bring you out. Amen. Uh, uh, and, and, and let me finish my story uh, about myself. And, 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 and it took a while for me to process it. I had to process it. I had to go through and, and process that thing and, 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 and get ready for it and, and uh, uh, how to deal with it. And either I, I, I was going to accept it and do nothing or I was going to fight it and, 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 and do the best I could to stay as healthy as I could. Yeah. Notice what he said there. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul said we, we, we were in that situation. We were in that predicament. We, we, were, we, we, we despaired of life. It seemed like we had a death sentence. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. When despair sets in and we feel burdened beyond ourselves, reliance on God takes on a new meaning. And when he has rescued us from a horrifying situation, we can learn to trust him more at the next trial. Hallelujah. You see, the enemy wants us to forget what God brought us out last time. Amen. The enemy wants us to forget, amen, what, amen, he calls us to overcome in the past. Yeah. Hallelujah. He's a God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills, who spoke the world into existence, who raises the dead and is able to deliver us out of any situation. We shift our focus from relying on our own abilities to relying on him. Hallelujah. Affliction. Uh, affliction draws us to the things of God because we realize that the things of this world are broken. Nothing is as it should be. A lot of times we stuck on it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. I, 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 I didn't do anything wrong. It's not fair. Nothing is as it should be. Sin has marred everything. And all, and all of creation is wrong. Pain spurs us to search for meaning and hope beyond the present circumstance, which can open our eyes to the power and the beauty of God's Word. And His Word 
and reframe our lives. Reframe our world. Bringing light to our eyes and opening our ears and feeding our soul. God's word and his presence become sweeter than our suffering as we taste and see for ourselves his goodness and his grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless your name, Lord. Amen. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to talk about want to talk about deliverance. Well, let, let, let me go back just a moment. Uh, what, the, what the affliction does, God defines us in the furnace of affliction, softening our rough edges that we wouldn't have discovered if we hadn't been in the fire. Uh, on difficult days, uh, I see how self-focused, how demanding, how impatient that I could be. You know, there was there, there was a way I used to be before I went through some of the things that I gone through. And I can admit it changed. And I believe some of you that are sitting here, you can say the same thing. Uh, uh, having gone through, it changes. God will teach you patience. And a daily, often moment-to-moment reliance upon Him. Suffering just like discipline is never pleasant at the time. But it later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And, 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 and our suffering will not be wasted. It is producing a lasting endurance and character hope. In, in Romans 5, I don't uh, have it to put on the screen, but in Romans 5 and 2, it says there, through him we have obtained access by faith into grace, into the grace which we stand. We rejoice in the hope and in the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And, amen, character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Amen. Uh, talking about, amen, uh, deliverance by affliction. And it will deliver us from loving the world. Amen. It will deliver us from loving the world. Affliction makes us long for heaven. Because we become increasingly aware that this world is not our home. When our dreams are broken, it is harder to be like Demas in love with this present world. Timothy talks about it. Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy 14. How Demas departed because he had a greater love for the world uh, than for the work of God. But it becomes, amen, easier to heed Paul or John's admonition to not love the world or the things of the world. 1 John 2.15 Our suffering will make heaven even more glorious for us. 
and will increase our eternal joy as we glimpse what God has accomplished through it. I think about in my early teens, when I got saved, my early teens and 20s, I didn't want Jesus to come back. You know, they talk about, you know, rapture can take place at any moment, Jesus can come back. When I was a teenager and in my early 20s, I'd say, Lord, don't come back now. <laughs> Lord, don't come back now. Lord, I want to get my driver's license. Lord, I want to, I want to graduate from high school. Lord, I, 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 I want to go to college. Lord, I'd like to, uh, like to get married. Don't come back now. I got still things that there's still things that I have pleasure and enjoy in this life. Don't come. I, I, I know you're coming, and I want to be ready when you come, but don't come back now. I was having too much fun on the earth. And I wasn't thinking much about heaven right then. But I tell you, life has a way of changing our perspectives. My first yearning for heaven came after some of my loved ones, uh, some of my loved ones died who I knew that were saved. And I longed to see them again. I'm still excited that one day I'm going to see my mother again in heaven. And uh, God had already gave me a preview that uh, full head of hair and uh, blowing and and and, and you, you, you know uh, when you see them they are the best that they can be. Some of them when they left they left here sickly. They left here afflicted. They left here crippled. They left here uh, uh, bodies cancer ridden. But in glory that's not how they are. They are at their best. And, and some of you all remember I shared uh, with you the, 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 the preview, the vision God gave me. I, I, I saw uh, my mom, I saw uh, my sister Ramona, and I saw somebody standing with them that looked like Marilyn Barbie. And I asked the family, I told them, I said, I, 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 I need you all to tell me something. When, when Mother Barbie was younger, how did she look? Because, and they said, you see Marilyn? That's how Mother Barbie looked when she was young. And that's how I saw, I saw my mother, I saw uh, uh, my sister, and I saw a young Mother Barbie. Yes. And, 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 and they would communicate with me that they were fine. Yes. Amen, radiant smiles and, 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 and what have you. And, and God gave me a preview to encourage me yes. that it was it was all right. And that's one of the things that when you lose a loved one, heaven begins to get sweeter, and especially if you know they're saved, it gets sweeter and sweeter. And there are some days when uh, we long to be reunited with some of our loved ones. 
Some of you all, you might still be young, and your family might still be young, and maybe you haven't had uh, a funeral of a loved one in your family in a long time. Amen. And, and, and so you might not understand what I'm talking about, but those of us who have experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. But also I realize that there is so much more awaiting us than just seeing our loved ones. Not only is our pain not worth comparing, amen, uh, with the, in Romans 8 and 18 it says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Your light is shining my way. But it is actually preparing us. In 2 Corinthians 4.17 it says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This isn't to minimize. Suffering doesn't feel good. Suffering uh, uh, can feel monumental, but it is to encourage us that it is our present suffering is not worthy to even be compared to the joy that's coming. Hallelujah. Almost done. Talking about deliverance by affliction. Mercy that's greater uh, than deliverance. While God can be afflicted by their affliction, not everyone turns to God. For both Satan and God have purposes in affliction. I've been talking about how God uses affliction, but we need to be reminded the devil likes to use affliction too. For a different purpose. The same sun that softens and melts the wax hardens the clay. The same sun. Satan uses suffering to turn people from faith and to convince them that God is indifferent to their, to their deepest struggles. Some demand that God remove their suffering, and when he doesn't, they become disillusioned and turn away. Others blame God for all the pain in the world and see suffering as a justification for their faithlessness. None of these responses enable us to see God's blessings in suffering, but only the painful loss. And in the scripture, it says, amen, uh, in Psalms 31, or 34 and 21, it says, affliction will slay the wicked, but those that hate righteousness will be, and those that hate righteousness will be condemned. So Satan uses affliction to turn people away from God. I think about it over in the book of Genesis, I think it's around the 50th chapter, Joseph's reply to his brothers when, when, when they were afraid that Joseph was going to take retribution against them after their father had died. And so they came up with a concocted scheme that they thought would to protect themselves. 
But Joseph replied, and, and, and this always struck me, he said, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. That he might save much people alive. It's, it's interesting. The very same thing. When you did it, you had evil intentions. But God allowed it because he had better
So while being delivered from affliction is great, is a great mercy. Being delivered by affliction is a great. He makes us more aware of God's voice. It increases our reliance on Him, and it prepares us for heaven and a way of glory beyond all comparison. I, I, I pray, I trust that something was said to help. Because there's some of us that, uh, you know, that I, there's some of us that we wonder, why, why did God let my mom die? Why did God let my loved one die? Why did God let my baby die? Why did God let my marriage die? Is it because he didn't love me? I remember I went to a hospital visitation uh, where someone from the church had asked me to come and to uh, pray for their loved one that was uh, close to death. And I took our time. I went after the service, after getting through preaching, didn't go home and eat, went directly to the hospital. And I prayed and asked God to touch, to heal, to deliver, to bring their loved one back. And I can remember uh, walking out of the hospital room on my way to the elevator. And one of the relatives that had asked me to come looked at me. And they said to me, Pastor Nunn, I'm disappointed in you. And I stopped to listen to what he said and say, Pastor Nunn, I'm disappointed in you. And I said, You are? And he said, Yeah. He said, I thought that if you came and prayed, my loved one would wake up and they would get up and, and, and uh, we'd be able to take them home. And there was a exhausted and almost angry, almost. Just being honest, that I looked at them and I'm thinking to myself, are you serious? And I told them, I said, if I could do that, don't you think I would not have let my mother die? If I had that that I could just turn on, I would not have let my mother die. And the person looked at me and said, you know, I never thought about that. I'm glad I know she's better. And she's not hurting. She's all right. 
we'll see her again. Because the affliction, the adversity, and the things that cause me to go through, it helped me. It was a teacher for me. It helped me that when God said something behind my back, I'm listening. And I think for some of you, that's what's happening. God's using it for your death, not for your worse. Would you stand on your feet? And we're going to pray to our audience by live stream. Uh, we're going to pray that this word would uh, find a room and minister deeply. Well, God, I thank you. I believe you choose to listen very carefully. Yes, Lord. And I believe, God, it is not by chance or by accident that we're here today. And I thank you, Lord, that uh, you, you, you've given some of us more clarity that we had before we came here today. And I thank you, Lord, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm always going to pray for deliverance from affliction. But I recognize that if you don't cause it to go and you allow it to stay, that there is a good reason for it. And I'm thanking you that whichever way it goes, you keep on delivering your people. Oh, yes. And I thank you for delivering us, God, today. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your ways are not as highways. High as the heavens are above the earth, and your ways above our way. But I thank you for never forsaking us, for loving us with a love that will not let us go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh God, let that word, let that word uh, uh, be deeply, go deeply into hearts, our souls. Help, help that word to uh, uh, remove the bitterness and the disappointment that the enemy tried to uh, infuse us with. And oh God, let your word say, they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength and cause us to mount up on eagle's wings. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And we thank you. Amen. 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 To those that have joined us by live stream, I trust that that word has been a blessing to you. If God would allow you to, uh, to uh, be a blessing to the ministry, you can do so. Amen. You'll put on the screen the four ways that you can share. And, uh, and then we'll close out. And I, I, I just want to pray God's blessing on the offering.
Lord bless those that uh, joined us by live stream and, and those that uh, you prompted to share uh, in our ministry, Lord. Uh, bless their, uh, let none suffer for the sacrifice that they're going to make in their giving, oh God. Return unto them one hundredfold blessing. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. He's going to close them out on live stream.